Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the eighth installment in my Superman movie review series. Today I am reviewing Man of Steel. This is your host Corbin. And can you believe it? We are at eight installments and as of right now, the final installment. But you're saying, wait a minute. Henry Cavell did come back as Superman in two, technically three-ish other films. Well, I've already reviewed those. Links to my reviews of Batman vs. Superman, Justice League Theatrical, and Zack Snyder's Justice League can be found below. And while you're down there, we do have timestamps if you're ready to just jump straight into the review. We also have links to our social pages and other places where you can listen to this podcast if you want to switch platforms. We also have curated list of reviews for you to check out after this one all kinds of goodies down there you're not going to want to miss and no matter where you're listening go ahead and leave us five stars and a short written review it's a great free way to help out the podcast so back in 2013 when this film came out i was 18 years four months and three days old and you're wondering did i really do that math well, I have this in a spreadsheet where I keep track of my scores and stuff, and I decided to just create a formula to figure out my age for all these films. So yeah, I was 18, getting ready to uh, finish up high school, and I remember this trailer very well, the marketing for this, finding it to be kind of a hip thing to call it Man of Steel. We had just gotten The Dark Knight the year prior, which of course Batman begins, and now we're saying, oh, let's call it Man of Steel. I don't think it's going to evoke any bad memories from Shaq's 1997 Superman spinoff film Steel, which I have reviewed. Go check out my review of Steel. You're not going to want to miss me tear that film apart. But nevertheless, these trailers were something I kind of watched over and over again. I absolutely loved Jor-El's monologue to Superman, the way it was filmed the Superman just ascending into the sky and going, you know, supersonic and the sonic cone blasting around him. Honestly, guys, I was really hyped for this movie. I couldn't wait to go see it. So I did. I went and saw it in IMAX theater, uh, which I have in my town conveniently enough. And I don't quite remember my thoughts. I remember it being a little bit long. I remembered thinking... I don't know. I think, oh man, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, they, they did a good job. But then I didn't do anything with the film afterwards. And we're getting close to its 10 year anniversary. Um, I did actually buy it at Dollar Tree. So it has been sitting on my shelf for a couple years now. This is the first time I'm returning to it since theaters. Now, if you want to know about the making of the film, how it all came together, all of that is in your guide to Man of Steel. That was released last week. You can go ahead and check out and listen to that. And then once you're ready to watch the film, if you don't want anything spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause. It is currently streaming on HBO Max. And of course, it's pretty easy to pick up uh, digital and physical copies. So this one's easy to get your hands on. Go ahead and watch the film. Come back and click play here on the podcast and we'll be ready to talk about it. All right, get ready for your 30 second plot. 
Krypton is destroyed. Zod is sent to the Phantom Zone and Kal-El goes to Earth. He's never quite sure of his place in the world thanks to the confusing messages of Pa Kent, but he knows he wants to use his powers for good. The military finds a long-buried Kryptonian ship. Clark meets his biological father, gets his suit, and starts to help out the world, especially by meeting and immediately saving Lois Lane. Perry White won't publish her Superman story, but no time for that because Zod and crew have come to terraform Earth into the new Krypton. The explosion of Krypton released them from the Phantom Zone. Zod wreaks devastating destruction along with Superman, but Superman eventually must snap his neck to prevent further loss of life. Clark decides he not only wants to be near Lois, but wants to work somewhere he can keep an ear to the major events of the world, so he gets a job as the mild-mannered reporter at the Daily Planet as credits roll. Now, the first 20-ish minutes of this film were quite a jarring surprise to me, and I know it was the same to others. This film really opens with a heavy dose of flashback to Star Wars Episode 3 on Utapau with Obi-Wan Kenobi riding around on his giant Komodo dragon. It's pretty much the same here. Jarrell, played by Russell Crowe, which is always great to see him back. He's flying around on his, you know, lizard dragon thing. This is really giving me some Dune meets Star Wars vibes, meets just some incredibly heavy 80s fantasy, maybe some, you know, heavy metal as well. Now, this is not by accident. Zack Snyder is a product of the 80s times. That's when he was a youth growing up. That's why he has films like 300 and Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen, these pretty heavy R-rated films that are really violent, really sexualized, and a lot of action because that's his mindset. That's where he's coming from. So to see Krypton completely reimagined from Donner, which is a smart thing to do as well, and make it kind of this strange, you know, science fiction fantasy world. I like it, but unfortunately, there's just not enough of it to really grasp any understanding of it because they're, it just goes straight into the fall of Krypton and this fight. Uh, the time frame when all of this happens is a little fuzzy, and there is also a big twist in this one that was not found in the other films with starring Zod at least. Zod murders Jor-El, which does give Superman an emotional reason to oppose him, not only oppose him, but also kill him at the very end, and there also is some emotional impact that his mother has to die alone and face the death of Krypton by herself as you know, Kal-El zooms off into space. And then, of course, the whole Ma and Pa Kent stuff on Smallville, Kansas, that's not dealt with right away. This is nonlinear storytelling, which I think is the right thing to do. I think this is the right way to go. Nobody wants to sit through a two and a half hour origin story, which is what we literally already did back in the late 70s with Christopher Reeve. This is going to give us Clark's story of growing up and where he's at in the world through flashbacks. I do have an issue with the flashbacks, which we'll save for a little bit later, but at least it's something different. Also, the guy who plays 13-year-old Clark is an uncanny, youthful representation of Henry Cavell. I was pretty shocked by that, and he does give some really good, believable emotion, this 13-year-old kid does. They also do a smart thing of showing his power sporadically developing. Now, that's a new idea to me. At least it's a new idea to the film's. Showing that it's not easy being different and really delving into the more human side of Clark Kent and of Superman, which isn't something the other movies did a whole lot of. So they are at least bringing in the emotions, which I appreciate. Also, just for some trivia, Lana Lang appears in this once again. They are incredibly dedicated, it seems, to ensuring Lana Lang is a character 
in this. Uh, I, I also do like how Lois and Clark first meet in this. It's very different from the other films. It's incredibly nonchalant. She flies up to the Arctic to investigate this alien spacecraft under the ice, which definitely makes me think of John Carpenter's The Thing, more so H.P. Lovecraft's type of story. He just straight up lifts her out of the helicopter and... They call him Joe. I think they said Joe, help her with her bags. Uh, it's kind of one of those blink and you'll miss it. Oh, wow, that's actually their first encounter. There is a lot of more lore and world building to the history of Krypton in this film and also understanding that the S is not just for Superman, but it is a symbol of hope. That's literally what it means in the Kryptonian world. I think this is a smart idea. I appreciate that they're trying to build more into this lore, really trying to build more into this world to give us more of an understanding that they're not just these, you know, aliens, because Superman's origins have been fairly dismissed in the previous film. At least they're trying to make something more of it here. Now, I will say the, at least the only time I got chills in this film was Superman's first flight. During that period, we hear Jor-El's words, which are truly, you know, inspiring over the background. And you, you see him, you know, start bouncing and leaping, which is actually what Superman did originally. He originally didn't fly. He could only leap tall buildings in a single bound. And there really is an energy to this scene that really does, like I said, gives me chills. And now that I've seen the other movies, this is also an homage to that first flight where he goes flying by these running horses and animals and he even flies over the earth. But he does it with this power that like we've we've never seen before and they could never have quite achieved before they got close in superman returns this is doing it in such a right way where you're seeing these sonic booms you're seeing the camera almost struggle to keep up with superman and shake in such this powerful way you really feel it that's honestly one of my favorite moments of the film now the rest of my compliments come more so towards the end of the film when superman willingly gives himself up there is some great promotional material here I remember seeing of Superman handcuffed in between the soldiers, army soldiers, which is a pretty surprising image to see. I do also like Michael Shannon as Zod and his crew. They're not Ursa and Non. They are a little bit, you know, different naming there, but for the most part, they are the same characters. They do a really good job as being these kind of sinister, believable aliens that uh, honestly I just always like Michael Shannon I think he's usually does a great job so cool to see him here I also like seeing that their clothes aren't much different from Superman's these are just kind of almost normal Kryptonian outfits that they're wearing we even see Zod have his own symbol and his own suit and cape and whatnot I thought that was a really smart inclusion instead of having them wear these you know weird you know middle eastern baggy clothes from superman 2 which is kind of strange now i do think there is some incredible action here especially if you can see it on the biggest screen possible listen to it on the biggest screen possible more towards the end of the film when superman is trying to destroy the world engine and he's just standing at the base of the world engine and he's kind of like lifting up his hands honestly that's probably one of the greatest images i think or at least one of the most powerful images it's just you just feel the power in this movie which is something i'm so impressed with the other things you really haven't quite felt the power this really does transport you into the world and right into superman's point of view one thing the mo other movies never could have done and this movie does achieve in a spectacular scale 
is just showing the sheer devastation of one of these two superpowered men came to Earth and they just started fighting. It would be literally catastrophic. It would be horrible. And this film does show that in a very, very strong, and I would even say emotionally gripping way, where to them, it's nothing to just push each other through buildings, but to the people on the ground, people are losing their lives. This is horrible. And that's something that they explore, I think, pretty well in Batman versus Superman, the next film after this one. I do also really love the chemistry between uh, Henry Cavell and Amy Adams between mainly, you know, their character Superman and Lois. Amy Adams as Lois Lane is so much better than Margot Kidder. She does a fantastic job and it's kind of ironic because she originally auditioned to be Lois Lane in Superman Returns and didn't get the part. Um, she may have had an audition with Smallville way back when, I believe also, but she finally did get the part here and she deserves it. She does a fantastic job. And of course, I think the ending of this film is pretty neat. A lot of origin stories have the film end with them. Now they've become the hero. This actually has him become Clark Kent. Now he knows his place in the world. Now he knows how to present himself to people. He's not hiding from society and just kind of in the out in the fringes. He has now become Clark Kent. And that's how the that's how the film ends is this with his reveal to the world and to his co-workers at least as Clark Kent and not necessarily Superman. I thought that was a cool way to end the film. Now I did say I would speak about the flashbacks in this movie. It's a weird way to open up. You know, we talked about the first 20 minutes was Krypton and then we do get about 15-ish minutes. It's not until 35 minutes into the film where the plot really kicks in. These flashbacks don't have really much anything to do with the plot. They're almost like vignettes of where Clark will see something and it'll remind him of a correlating experience in his childhood. And that's how we're told of how he grew up, why he is the way that he is, why he's kind of this just roving nomad. It's very different, a little Wolverine-esque as he's out here in the Timberlands and whatnot. Nevertheless, I, I like the flashbacks, but I don't necessarily like that it's just kind of this almost prologue to the film. It's kind of strange. Now, while I did praise the action in this film, and there is more than Superman Returns, the next major action scene outside of Krypton doesn't occur until about 90 minutes into the movie, which is pretty long to make audiences wait. I also felt like once Superman and Lois kiss, which is actually a very emotional, passionate kiss that I, I believed, he has to fight Zod at the end. Honestly, I could have done without that because this action sequence at the end is probably about half an hour. It is incredibly long and I felt like, you know, there was this emotionally satisfying conclusion between, you know, how it all occurred. Superman and Lois kiss and, you know, all's well that ends well. Let's just move on. But no, there has to be another really long fight sequence with Zod, which I wasn't crazy about. I will also say that some of the CGI is fantastic and some of it isn't actually much of an improvement over Superman Returns. And I know those films aren't really that far apart, especially when you're talking about production times and things like that. Nevertheless, it's not always the best looking CGI. There is also a lot of muted colors in this. It's a very dark film with not a lot of brightness to it. 
the cinematography is also a mixed bag for me. I think some shots are truly incredible and some I think are pretty cheesy and on the nose. I'm actually not a fan of Hans Zimmer's score here. Hans Zimmer will either give me one of the greatest scores ever or something that I just don't really like. And this is one I'm, I'm not crazy about. I really like John Ottman's score last time better than this one. There is also some pretty bad writing in this movie, such as when Clark runs into the closet as a kid dealing with his sporadic powers, and he tells his mom, the world's too big. He says, the world's too big, mom, and she says, then make it small. Really weird. I don't know why a child would even say something like that. Also, Zod's line, where did you train? On a farm? That was laugh out loud funny. There is also another line by the general at the end, are you effing stupid? I guess they don't want to use their one F word in this movie, but it's still unrealistic that he would say something like that. It's pretty ridiculous. I will say my favorite line in the movie does come from Superman when he says, I was raised in Kansas. I'm about as American as it gets. I also have a major issue with his father's advice. I think his father's advice for the most part is morally reprehensible, saying that if he has the ability to save children, he shouldn't. He should just let them die because he shouldn't let the world know who he is. I understand. I think his father is overprotective. He's very worried. He's very worried about how his son will be perceived in the world. Will his son be taken away from him? I think that's a legitimate fear. But I think at the same time, he does create a lot of internal conflict and does not set his son up for a successful future based on his fundamentalist, you know, legalistic points of views. And that's nowhere better showcased than how he dies, which I think is completely ridiculous and a ripoff of 2002 Spider-Man as well. And Tobey Maguire kind of has this, you know, you know, snarky teenage conversation with Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben gets shot and dies, and that's how they end their relationship. This one, a gigantic tornado, pop-up tornado, I guess, which seems a little weird. Nobody, you know, weren't listening to the news. A giant tornado touches down really fast, too, I might add. Tornadoes typically don't touch down that fast. And they um, run to the underpass. But then they say, uh, oh, our dog is left in the car. So the dad is like, you know what? I'll go get the dog. You stay with your mom. Well, guess what? Clark could have gone and got the dog and he would have lived and nobody would have thought anything of it. Instead, the dad gets the dog, gets trapped and doesn't even try to run away from the tornado. I bet Costner could have made it. He just accepts his fate and dies. It's really, really bizarre. I think that's one of the worst elements of the movie. At least Henry Cavill is giving a great emotional performance, but unfortunately, this whole sequence is stupid. Man of Steel may be the closest thing we'll ever get to a great Superman movie. It's not the total package, but it sure does come close. I've spoken to my problems with the film, but what's most important to me is that we finally get an awe-inspiring Superman film that still gives us emotion. Despite never returning to this after theaters, finally putting this last installment into context makes me appreciate it that much more after seeing the lows of the franchise. If only Superman could have gotten a standalone sequel, I really think we would have had something special. But I'll take what I can get. Man of Steel receives 7 stars out of 10 with a solid recommend. If I'm not mistaken, this is the only recommend I have passed out outside of the pretty weak recommend from the last time and the very first one, Superman the movie, which I also gave a 7 to. 
Would I pick up this one or pass on it, adding it to my collection? Yeah, I did. And I'm really glad I found it at Dollar Tree and I was able to redeem the digital copy in HD. Other movie recommendations I have for you after this one. Definitely check out The Dark Knight if you haven't. That's a must watch. I think it's a lot better than this movie, but this one still is pretty good. Also, um, two other 2013 picks that I think people may have forgotten about, but I, I hope not, is the Tom Cruise Oblivion film from the same director as Tron Legacy, which Alan and I have reviewed, um, and also Nebraska, which I believe was up for Best Picture. Nebraska is probably one of my favorite films ever. Um, please, please check out Nebraska if you haven't. Well, Snyder confirmed the month after the film released at San Diego Comic-Con that Superman would meet Batman in the next film. Ultimately, this evolved into Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and would spawn the now, can we say failed DC universe? We do know that Snyder is done with DC superheroes for the foreseeable future. We knew that what was probably going to happen is it would be Man of Steel, BVS, Justice League, and then probably Man of Steel 2 at that point. And then running alongside Man of Steel 2 would be the Batman starring Ben Affleck. Of course, we just got the Batman starring Robert Pattinson. So, so many things have, have changed since then. But believe it or not, Matthew Vaughn was asked to approach again. He did have great success with X-Men First Class. I should note that he was asked to direct, probably direct Man of Steel 2, but he declined since he's pretty infatuated with his Kingsman franchise right now. Christopher McQuarrie, who won the Oscar for Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects, and he's worked with him on numerous other films. He, he also worked with Cavill on Mission Impossible Fallout, they pitched an idea together to Warner Brothers for a Superman movie. Apparently, WB turned that down. I think that's pretty surprising. There has been pretty much open talk from um, Henry Cavill that he does not want to return for Superman, probably. He's moved on to other projects. He is great in the Witcher TV series. I recommend checking him out there. He just has a lot of more opportunities. He really doesn't need this franchise anymore. And there's just been too many pitfalls. I doubt we'll ever see him as Superman again. Now, James Gunn was asked to make a Superman movie. James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy. Not necessarily a sequel to Man of Steel. I think that's interesting. WB said, hey, you want to do a Superman movie? It could be your idea. It doesn't have to necessarily be a Man of Steel. It could be its own kind of one-off thing, which is what they're starting to do now with Batman and Joker and other things like that. Instead, he said, how about I do the Suicide Squad? And I said, okay, we'll, we'll let you do the Suicide Squad. So that's what ended up happening. So for the foreseeable future, Superman, as far as it goes on the big screen, is probably done for a while. Honestly, I can't even begin to guess where they'll go from here with the character after the film has been the, the whole franchise in general. Pretty much everybody thinks is crap. All the Superman movies outside of the first two, probably the franchise as a whole has failed. They've really never been able to figure out how to make a successful Superman franchise that people love, that people want to come back and see. This, this reboot failed. The last reboot, Superman Returns, failed. Now, this movie, did get we did get to see Superman in a trilogy of films, it should be said. Cavill's come back, but nevertheless, I just can't see where they're going to go from here. Well, listeners, the question after the show. 
Is Man of Steel the best Superman movie we've gotten? I still think that Richard Donner's original Superman is probably my favorite. There's a little more levity to that film. Actually, a lot more levity to that film. I enjoy. That's just missing from this one. While I think it still is very good, and I do like a lot of this, I still think the original Donner film is more of a complete package for me. So if I were to rank these Superman movies, I would rank it as Superman the movie, Man of Steel, Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, Superman Returns coming in at number four, Steel actually coming in at number five, Supergirl at number six, Superman 3 out, down at number seven, Superman 2, the theatrical cut at number eight, and finally Superman 4, the quest for peace at number nine, which is truly awful. Overall, looking at my scores for the film, I only recommended three, maybe if you count four, if you count the Richard Donner cut, three or four out of these eight slash nine films. A whole slew of them I gave some pretty awful ratings to. As an average rating, I would give the entire series a four out of ten, a pretty solid not recommend. If you're just looking at Superman movies as a whole, it's a 5 out of 10, still a weaker not recommend, but as a whole, I just don't recommend you sit down from beginning to end and check out the Superman franchise. Really, I would say watch just the first one and this Man of Steel, and I think that's probably a good gauge of what a Superman movie is like at its best. Well, listeners, this caps off my Superman movie review series as for now until they come out with a new film. Of course, they're always pushing out, you know, Superman animated movies. But for now, I'm done with the series and I thought it just seems right to go to Batman now. No, not the Nolan films. Alan and I have actually already reviewed Nolan's Batman trilogy. I'm talking about the Michael Keaton, the Val Kilmer the George Clooney films from the 90s and technically 1989. So next week, we're going all the way back to 1989 to Batman, which really was the key. Superman, the franchise, had pretty much utterly failed at that point. It was a sad, sad circumstance how it went out. Superman 4, go listen to my review. But Burton said, okay, I'm going to do Batman. And it was a huge success. So we're going to talk about that. It's been eons since I've seen Batman 3 and 4. And... Really, Batman Returns is fuzzy to me as well, so be curious on my thoughts revisiting that franchise. I'll save that for next week. But listeners, thank you for coming along with me. If you have not already subscribed, click subscribe. You're not going to want to miss those reviews. Share with your friends and family. We love talking about movies. We love talking about them with you. So, so we will see you next week with Tim Burton's Batman. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.